0: You're listening to At Large, a global affairs podcast brought to you by China U.S. Focus. Thanks for joining us. And here's your host, James Chow. I'm just off the plane from Astana, the capital of Kazakhstan. Welcome to episode 22. Astana was an interesting trip, the Global Conference on Primary Health Care, 40 years after the original gathering in Alma Ata in the then Soviet Union. Then, as now, Kazakhstan is a relatively sparsely populated area, the ninth largest country with only the 64th largest population. So that gives you an idea what it's like. Lots of open space, plenty of large buildings, and some iconic architecture too. It's got mountains, desert, flatland, and rich in resources like oil and gas, and also a strategic point in the ancient and current day Silk Roads. While I was there, I thought about our planet and climate change in particular, and the many other problems this links to. The head of the International Committee of the Red Cross is Peter Maurer and he talked this week about how climate change is making worse tensions like poverty, refugees, conflict and violence. Mara highlights hope in the Paris Agreement. Almost every country signed up in December 2016, with one notable pullout since then, the United States. It leaves China, as I've said before, as probably the lone country as a major emitter and as a major economic power, with the capacity to lead the world on climate change. There are plenty of doubters, many of them pointing to China's system of governance. There is a point here. But with some irony, this same system also means that action can happen faster when you have a central government that's able to deploy decisions and filter it down through provinces, cities and towns that much quicker. Now, John Holdren was senior advisor to President Obama on science and technology. And before that, he was the Theresa and John Hines Professor of Environmental Policy at the Kennedy School of Government at Harvard University. This is his take on climate change in the context of the two countries.
1: Well, first of all, China and the United States were on the same page with respect to climate change uh, until President Trump came into office and again a large part of the United States outside the federal government remains in agreement with China that our two countries being the two biggest emitters in the world uh, need need to lead the effect of President Trump's approach to trade and the tensions with China that that approach has created uh, are not helpful Uh, not helpful to the world economy not helpful to international relations, not helpful to uh, the United States.
0: Jeffrey Sachs, the Columbia University economist, was more direct in an opinion piece this week where he laid the blame squarely at the door of the US. The President, Florida Governor Rick Scott, and Florida Senator Marco Rubio are the three he-names who he writes oppose action to address human-induced climate change should be held accountable for climate crimes against humanity. They are the authors and agents of systematic policies that deny basic human rights to their own citizens and people around the world, including the rights to life, health and property. These politicians have blood on their hands and the death toll continues to rise. You can find that op-ed on Professor Sachs' website. This is At Large, your weekly podcast on China, the US and the world. Keep listening. Now, a friend of mine who's just landed in Beijing says it's very cold already and we haven't hit true winter. It may have been a little chilly, but the skies were bright blue when Shinzo Abe inspected an honor guard in the Chinese capital a few years ago, and what is the first visit by a Japanese prime minister in seven years. Now, when I lived in Beijing until recently, There were relatively few days when the skies were blue, I can tell you that. And there were also plenty of problems through the years between these two countries. Those problems are rooted in early 20th century politics, when Japan invaded China, the Second World War that followed, and what many countries in the region believe, not only China, South Korea, the Philippines and others, has been a revision of history in Japanese school textbooks, and more deeply a begrudging refusal to acknowledge the past. Now, what they're saying this week is that China and Japan have 500 business deals and we're waiting for more details on that. Critically, what China's Premier Li Keqiang also says is an agreement not to threaten each other with no direct aggression towards each other. So while we're talking about the second and third largest economies in the world, given their history, what's fundamentally more important, I think, is identifying peace as the reset button for a different kind of relationship. Kato Yoshikazu is an adjunct professor at the Asia Global Institute at the University of Hong Kong. Here's what he thinks. China is developing very rapidly and the second largest economy in the world. So now our economic relationship could be more, you know, mutual, you know, more parallel. It's a more mutually beneficial. So maybe not only Japanese investment to China, Again, maybe the Chinese investment to Japan or our joint investment in some developing countries like Southeast Asia or African continent. So this could be a more symbolic. And, it, and we can say this is a new stage for Japanese, Japan, China economic ties. And it's great. It's very great. I think this will rattle the U.S. a little. They won't want to see a traditional post-war ally in Japan building too many bridges elsewhere, and that's understandable. And especially not in the Asia-Pacific, where, of course, it's still negotiating its own influence with nearby North Korea. And what, of course, will make them sit up is that Japan is doing this with China, the country with which it's now engaged in a large-scale trade war. It needs to balance those moving parts very carefully, as does China and Japan with one another and as part of their wider global strategy. You've been listening to At Large with James Chow. For more episodes, you can go to ChinaUSFocus.com forward slash podcasts. You can also subscribe at Google Play Music, SoundCloud and more. Thanks for joining us.